0: I'm Mary Lyons, the wealth woman.
1: I'm Eric Alexander with Benchmark Income Group.
0: Welcome to the Big Wealth Podcast.
1: So, we are wrapping up what has been just a fascinating series of podcasts today with Incron talking about Enneagram and finances and how all of those things play together and how to make better choices. And this one, I think, is going to be fascinating. And how does each Enneagram type deal with risk, with uncertainty, with maybe chaos? And how, do we, how does each type manage? through? And so the, the world is a chaotic place, so we can't get away from it. But especially financially, with what we're seeing this year so far anyway, has been hyper chaotic so, how how does each type kind of approach that problem?
2: Hmm. Well, and just by way of reminder, for those of you unfamiliar with the Enneagram system of personality, I want to encourage you to go back to episode one of this series to learn more about each of the Enneagram types. So, you know, you'll have a little bit of an education and a background. Also, there's a PDF on your website, website, which is?
0: Benchmarkincome.com.
2: Great. So, everybody get up to speed on what we're talking about because it's really important to understand that personality— these different styles of personality approach finances, wealth building, and money from very different angles, none of which is better than the other. However, (laughs) it's really important for us to understand not only our personality style, its blind spots when it comes to finances, but also those of others. Right. So that we can not only uh, live more wisely in relationship to them, but also draw on their resources and intelligence to make a better decisions on our part.
1: Yeah, balance and, each other out.
2: And, of course, risk and uncertainty are really important, right, when we're talking about finances and uh, wealth building. And it's really important in the current climate where everything is so chaotic, uncertain, and where risk seems to be everywhere, and where media uh, would like yep. to underscore and keep us fearful, and stoke and that fire, right? Stoke the fire, and and just keep the chaos in our face in such a way that we are constantly feeling like a pair of my mother used to dry our sneakers in the dryer, just bouncing around in there. And I always tell people, I think that's, that's how great the media sound. likes to throw us in right. and keep us bouncing around inside the heat and the, <laughs> in the dryer. You know what I'm saying? That's <laughs> so this is about ONES and how they approach risk and uncertainty. Right. In my experience, ONES approach risk and uncertainty principally with an analytical mind. What's going on here? Let me analyze it and then try and make my decisions based on cool analysis. Of the problem. How about you guys? Do you have any ones in your life?
0: We have several staff members that are ones. I'm
1: I'm thinking of a client of ours that's a one.
0: Yeah, Yeah. in in my experience, at least with our staff members, they really don't like risk and uncertainty.
2: Mm -hmm. They really they They like predictability. Ones like predictability.
0: They want to know everything is good, everything is moving the way it's supposed to, and sudden changes, at least for these two individuals, tend to trigger almost a panic mode. And so it there has to be like the delivery of the information has to be very well thought out, very well programmed. They need to know their part, the expectation. That's the analytical
2: mind. And I agree that, that ones do not like deviations. So yeah. there's, that, there's that predictability piece. And they especially don't like deviations midstream. Yeah, like they Don't change a, they horses in on the middle the of the river. Sevens are much better at that, but ones have a hard time. There are people who like guidelines, protocols. They love manuals. They want to know what's expected of me, what the world is going to do when. Clear strategy. Clear strategy, all that stuff. But they they are, to your point, I think risk averse. But again, I want my airline pilot to be a one. Mm-hmm. I want that guy or woman to know where in the manual is the page that tells you what to <laughs> it's do when memorized. the engine catches fire. I don't want a four in there because I'm going to start messing I don't know with what, stuff, playing songs from <laughs> Phantom of the Opera or something. I you really want to have somebody in there that's cool-minded, analytical, knows where to go, right. Captain Sullenberger type. Yeah, you right. would have
0: a very inspirational prayer.
2: <laughs> right, Exactly. Get on the microphone. Right. Everybody repeat after me. Right. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Yeah, That's not what you want. So not do you see all. the
1: ones then sort of backing out into sort of more defense as a way to avoid problems? Like, I don't want to play the game so I don't lose at the game?
2: You know, I don't know how to answer that. I, I guess I would say that I think... I-
0: I was just going to say, no, I don't think that ones back out and don't play the game. Because if, if the risk is specific to investing, they know they need to invest in order to, to retire one day. And so I don't think backing away out of fear is the right answer for that, just personally. But I think it's more about leaning into what are the rules I can place around
2: this. Okay. It's interesting. Every type has what we call time orientation. Oh, mm. OK. So ones, twos, and sixes are very present oriented. Three sevens and eights are very future-oriented. Fours, fives, and nines are very past-oriented. Doesn't mean that they, so I'm a past-oriented type. Right. That doesn't mean I don't think about the future or the present, it just means that I tend to lean more heavily into the past, right? So ones, twos, and sixes are very present-minded. A one is gonna look at what is required of me right now in this moment, and I will do that. And that's where they tend to lean. And I think in risk and uncertainty, that's probably their stance is to say, okay, here's the risk and the uncertainty. What do we do right now? I will focus on that.
0: That actually makes them really good in a
2: crisis. Oh, yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, that's why you want your pilot as a one.
2: I also want my emergency room doctor to be a one or a five. I want you to be perfect when you carve into my brain. (laughs) Right.
1: You know. So one, two, six is present, four, five, and what? Nines. Four, five, and nine. Tend to be more
2: past-oriented. Interesting. Yeah.
1: So what about the twos then, if they are also in the present? And they come upon risk.
2: Yeah. Well, let's just remember about? that money is not a big motivator for twos. That for them, the currency right. of life is relationships. And I, I think because of that, we can hypothesize that I think they're less risk averse or concerned about risk and uncertainty than I think less so than other types. In part because they might not even bake it into their calculations. They're not even focused on it. They're focused on people and relationships. Uh, Does that make sense? And so mm-hmm. money's not very much of a motivator to you. Risk and uncertainty just don't seem to be like, oh, okay, right. You know, it's not, they're not focused, then whatever, on, right? they're not focused on risk and uncertainty because they're not, the money isn't as important to them as it is to other types.
0: Do you think twos are more likely to find an expert and have that be somebody that I know, like, and trust you? So... You'll take care of me. You're good yeah. the
2: thing. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes might trust too much, mm-hmm. nor not stay on top of the expert, like making sure they have that monthly call or that mm-hmm. quarterly call about how things are going. It's like, no, right. no, I am. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I've worked with twos, man. and they, Sometimes the two can be way too trusting. Yeah. yeah. Way too trusting. They just expect the best out of people.
0: Because they expect people to be like them.
2: Yes. Yeah. Which is a very egregious mistake in life <laughs> to assume that anyone's going to be like you. Right. So, yeah. yeah, for sure. I think threes, by the way, talking about risk and uncertainty, they are by nature very optimistic. They are very confident. And I think they are obviously very motivated by money. We know that's from research. Right. I don't think that they're risk averse. I think they see opportunity in uncertain times.
1: So, oh, when we lean in.
2: Like okay, remember I asked that question in our previous podcast. What mm-hmm. does this make possible? I think mm-hmm. that's what threes and sevens tend to think about. Okay, well, stuff is hit the fan. Where's the opportunity? Where's opportunity? In this? The sevens mm-hmm. going. Okay, there's crap everywhere. Where's the pony? I think with the three, <laughs> right? The three is thinking. Okay, let's beat the competition.
1: It's market share opportunities, right? Exactly. It's, let's yeah. beat the
2: competition. Let's spot the opportunity before they do in the chaos, and then let's go after it. Right. Mm-hmm. I have a three friend of mine, by the way. Just thinking back to this now, he was in the world, of, he was a Wall Street guy, and he was a, a trader. He saw the down, in 2008, nine months before the housing market crashed, he said to me, sell your house. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, trust me, sell your house now. And I was like, I got four, three kids at home, am I gonna sell my house? I wish I had, I wish I had. I'd have right. another million dollars in the bank, literally, mm-hmm. if I had sold my damn house. And uh, he was a hardcore three, And as a three, he saw what was happening, and he was like, this is great uncertainty and risk. I see what's about to happen, and I am going to leverage this chaos and risk for – so, he saw opportunity and went and, I mean, made hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. He shorted everything. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. He bought and shorted everything, and that's very three-ish to me. Also, a little seven-ish, but very 3
1: so then the four, we talked about this before, almost like the two, it's not a big motivator.
2: No, in fact, for the four is the least likely reports, the self-report as being the, one of the types that are, are the least motivated by money. I think their lack of interest in money or finances also suggests that they aren't highly even aware of the risk or the uncertainty. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. I just don't think they're all that aware of it. I could just speak for myself. There's a long season. That I have a great financial advisor. I let him worry about it. Sure. Yeah. That's why you, you know, do that. I mean, I have the call once a quarter. But when he when he sends out the email saying, Let me schedule a call, I don't rush to make the appointment. You're like, all right, fine. Yeah, you know, I read the little monthly statements or monthly statements that come out, you know, and I blah 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 blah. blah you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm just
0: right. not You're not attached to it in the no, same not way. Not really.
2: Not really. I'm just attached to different things. And because money's just not a big motivator, I don't think I think much about risk uncertainty, at least as it relates to finances. Do you I'm find I'm it's my, different
0: my, in other areas?
2: Yeah. Probably, but more on a relational sphere. Uncertainty like a two. I, I, I get nervous when there's relational risk or uncertainty because relationships matter a lot to twos and fours. So that, that's where my attention would migrate toward if in times of uncertainty or risk.
1: So for the four, the creative, like the three, what was it? What does this make possible? Would the four be, there's got to be a good story in here. There's some nugget of life to draw from this uncertainty and this chaos. There's a song somewhere in this chaos. Is there some factor in there?
2: Yeah, possibly. But then the four could also lapse into a little bit of melancholy and drama around the risk and uncertainty and develop a narrative of, oh, a little bit if they're unhealthy, kind of woe is me. A little, mm-hmm. They could devolve oh. into self-pity in their worst moments. The why does this problems. always happen to me? Kind of yes. Thing. Why? Why have I been singled out in the universe as the one person that needs to be
1: <laughs> flogged? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> what about five? Yeah, and then the five.
2: Yeah, again, I think because they're so concerned about self-sufficiency and autonomy— that they are going to be more risk-averse. And I think they're also going to be conservative in uncertain environments. Mm -hmm. Does that sound true to you as a five?
1: Yeah, for sure. Much more linear, I think, is probably a good maybe leaning back instead of leaning in when uncertainty happens. So I'm
2: very curious to ask the two of you something. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about Warren Buffett for a minute. Okay. Tell me what you think about Warren Buffett's investment sort of strategies and thinking.
1: But well, he's two rules, right? Don't lose money. And rule number two is don't forget rule one. Isn't that his sort of philosophy in life?
2: I think so. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, remember that. Yeah. What do you think?
0: He's killed it. So I feel like you can't argue with the evidence. Look at the way he has approached the market in general. And I think his ability to dive very deeply into the research and to see things that other people may yeah. not see and to understand what to do with that information and how to make decisions. I don't think there's many people that could or really any people that could compete with that.
2: So he's a five. You could tell that from all the, the whole research piece, mm-hmm. right? He's also a minimalist, still lives in the house that he lived in, you know, whenever. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, right. not a, he's not a guy that's out there living like a, you know, a hedge fund manager, like right. uh, on with an island and, in, in, in island. Hawaii.
0: I do find that to be interesting just because I look at it and I'm like, so what was the point of this?
2: Yeah, but he's pure five. Yeah. Pure Five. The Same thing with the founder of Ikea. I can't remember his name, but he still flies commercial. Like, he flies an economy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Well, that was like
1: Sam Walton. He was still driving around in an old, beat-up pickup truck.
2: Very Five-ish. Right. right. Bill Gates, classic Five. If you've never seen the, the documentary Inside Bill's Brain, it's, <laughs> it is an adventure walking through I'm, a five. I am going to go watch that now. Oh, it's yeah. incredible. And so, all I'm saying is that these are guys who weren't conservative, necessarily. They were pioneers because they saw things that other people didn't see which fives can do. Right. Fives can also, contrary to what people think, people tend to think, okay, fives are running around with like pocket protectors like mm. a scientist. Some of the most ambitious and like doggy dog people I've ever met have been fives because mm. they're dispassionate. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there's a detachment, right? right?
2: Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, feelings aren't involved here. Right. right? I mean, Microsoft <laughs> was a shredder of a company right. just shredded other companies without a lot of feeling involved which can be very five so they can be very pioneerish and not only in innovation but also you know but I do find that a lot of regular fives in the investment space tend to be conservative and not terribly happy about risk if it is a threat to autonomy.
0: So I think this is very interesting because I think Mm. one of the benefits that Eric brings to our firm in particular is that when there is risk, his ability to dive into the research and figure out where things are going to break before they break is huge. I think some of that maybe is just natural bent and background, right? As an industrial engineer, you have to figure out how to get more out of less and you have to know where the process is going to break down and what to do to avoid that. And I feel like all of those skills come in. And what I think is beautiful is that when we can see that there is a clear risk coming, his ability to go and find the relevant information and bring that in to discussion is there, there's some creativity there that comes around in our firm because of that. Right. Because I'm not going to go do all that research. It just that's not how I'm built. But if he does it all and then brings it in, we're going to find solutions because of it.
1: Yeah. And that's where I think the partnership helps is that discernment idea of, okay, there's a thousand things here. Where's the thread? And I think that's where Mary's eight comes in on that side is, nope, that's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. Oh, I can see these 17 disparate ideas lining out into a a pattern. And so I think that's the fun back and forth. But I think for Warren Buffett on that side
0: of it, because he's going to outthink everybody. Right. That, Buffett, that's how I yeah. – But well, I was talking about you, but oh, Buffett well. too, right? it's. I feel like as a five, when risk shows up, Eric will back out, think through everything, and then come in yeah. and say, here's everything we need to be thinking yeah. about.
2: Fives are chess yeah. players. Mm-hmm. They, they're yeah, always yeah. thinking four moves ahead. I don't think four moves ahead. I'm a lousy chess player. That's just not how I'm built.
0: You're having more fun with the
2: conversation. (laughs) Yeah. During the game. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And I think fives are very interesting in times of risk and uncertainty. We could argue for each of these that some of them are risk-averse, some of them are less risk-averse. I think we're, again, speaking in these general terms about them. They're outliers in all of them. But...
1: But I think it's controlled and uncontrolled risk. If you think about Buffett, one of his famous phrases is, the the dumbest reason to buy a company is because it's going up in stock value. So I think he's doing that controlled risk assessment to go, yeah, I know where this is gonna break and I know where it falls apart and we can manage through that. I feel comfortable being risky. Whereas if you hadn't done the analysis, then it's just a crapshoot. You're just going to wow. Vegas. So it's, yeah. I think it's a different like kind of risk that he's looking mm. at. Passing. Yeah, I don't think
0: it's necessarily like for a five, it's not analysis paralysis. It's analysis. Yeah, because there's gotta be a an second. outcome.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that's <laughs> and that's why Mary lovingly every once in a while is like, okay, now we actually have to make a decision. We actually have to put a step forward and we have to actually do something about this. We can't navel gaze for the next three years on this.
2: You know, with sevens, as we move into the enthusiasts just for a second, I was just yeah. thinking about, you know, oh, I skipped sixes. Yeah. Oh, too bad. Let's so go with sixes.
0: Six for me, um, I think it's all about controlling as many variables as you can because you know there's going to be risk. So the more risk you can identify and deal with before it comes to fruition. A higher likelihood mm. of success, so it's all about contingency planning.
1: Is that the
2: premortem in your mind?
0: Yeah, I think so. Does that yeah. line up with what?
2: Yeah, I think the most. I'm saying ris- all these I, I would like say that, I'm the they're expert. probably the most risk-averse type and the most anxious in uncertainty.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That said, if they. Thought through all the contingencies and they've made plans for them, you know, that they'll feel a little less risk averse and they'll feel more certain in in times that are chaotic. But they are by nature just, you know, it's that vague feeling of apprehension that kind of follows Mm -hmm. them around that can cause distress and risk and uncertainty.
1: So for them, do they, do you see them making sort of, uh, you talk about this a lot, are we jumping into the deep end? Are we doing the kiddie pool? entrance in. I could maybe see a six going, all right, I think we want to go over there, but I'm not going to cannonball in. That's The seven, the seven, ball seven the goes off the three
2: meter board and the six maybe starts in the baby pool and gradually, yeah, in a gradual way moves toward it. I think that would be a fair characterization of those types. Yeah.
0: So sticking on the six, I think one of the things that I've found to be effective in terms of analysis when there is risk is, do you want to make a small mistake or a big mistake? Because if we know that there is risk, You can choose to make one decision, and if you're wrong, the consequences are very small. Or you can choose to make a different decision, and if you're wrong, the consequences are very big. This is kind of a weird example, but I'll use it anyway. So if we're talking about life insurance, maybe you know you're going to have a windfall in a year. And so you have put together a plan, and a year from now, you're going to put together this life insurance policy as part of a legacy plan. Alternatively, if you bought a small term insurance policy, you guarantee the ability to put that insurance policy in place a year from now. So, if your insurability stays the same over that time period and you didn't buy the term insurance, there is no mistake. You're fine. But if your insurability changes and you didn't buy the term insurance and now you're uninsurable, you've lost the ability to do that. And that potentially is catastrophic, depending on what your plan was. Right. Whereas if you put the term insurance in place, the expense is very minimal. And if your health stays the same, your cost was very small. So you're gonna make a mistake right do you want to make the big one or the small one and really quantifying what are the consequences in terms of risk for the individual mm-hmm. making the decision and I have found that framing things like that for a six and that was just one example helps them identify where are the risks that I need to protect myself from mm. in in ways they may not have thought about it previously and it changes because they have new information how they make the decision from a overall protection standpoint.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well That's said. Yeah, but that, that toe in, like an
2: easy toe in.
0: Yeah, start small if you like it, we'll go bigger, versus the seven.
2: <laughs> <laughs> one of the two least risk-averse numbers on the Enneagram. Yeah. And the one of the two numbers on the Enneagram that is okay with uncertainty.
1: They're whistling past the graveyard, maybe? Possibly, <laughs>
2: <laughs> but they are assertive types. Three, sevens, and eights are all assertive types. Future. Very future-minded, almost exclusively future-minded. And I think that sevens, again, the positivity, the ability to reframe disaster and to see opportunity in it is mm-hmm. unparalleled on the Enneagram. And it's fun to watch, you know. Danger is denial, right? Nero playing the violin while Rome is burning. It's like <laughs> not a great thing, right? You right. want to have somebody who's got who's clear-eyed. But sevens can be also wonderful to be around in a time of crisis if they're healthy.
0: Because they see the
2: possibility. They see possibilities like threes do.
1: But the unhealthy might be oblivious, or, like willingly oblivious maybe.
2: Yeah, just in denial about maybe how it's uh, like, you know, and the band played on on the Titanic. So you don't want that. You
1: would it's like somebody
2: go, I don't see hey, we are happening. sinking, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Are you so, going to float
1: on that violin? Or yeah, anything? exactly,
2: exactly. But I do think that they are— as we were mentioning earlier, they are willing to jump into the deep end of the pool, whereas the six has to be gradual. And there are merits and downsides to both. Right. Mm-hmm. Just have to be managed. Yeah. And then I'm assuming the other
1: that are more willing to take on risk is probably the eight. Yeah. And my experience is we'll just power through it.
2: Well, let's have our
1: eight talk about it.
2: Yeah, I mean,
0: I think, I think there's two ways that I deal with risk personally. One is finding other people people who have capabilities that I don't so that I can shore up the gaps. Because if I am tied to an outcome, I need to put the things in place to come as close to guaranteeing the outcome as I possibly can. And that means finding other people who have skill sets that I don't and delegation of those pieces, maybe like it's very trust, but verify. And then I think the second piece of it is for me, at least there's risk in everything, how you choose to approach that risk determines your outcome. And I think I very much have a belief of I'll figure it out, like something will go wrong. So let's make sure when we do the analysis of, in this example, an investment, let's say I'm looking at buying real estate, I'm taking (laughs) what the actual numbers are, backing them off so that we're doing something much more conservative. So I've got plenty of margin for error because Mm -hmm. I know something will go wrong. I just don't know where, right? I've never been in a situation where I've bought a piece of real estate that I didn't have surprise expenses, ever Mm -hmm. they are always there so you just build that in to what you're doing and you assume yeah there's risk I'm not sure where it will be but I'll deal with it when it gets there and I'll make sure that I'm being prudent enough with all of the analysis on the front end that I'm good to go and and sometimes that means Eric tell me where the risks are
2: so three sevens and eights are going to have the most confidence in the face of risk and uncertainty for sure I think the other types to differing degrees will have less, obviously less tolerance, but three, sevens, and eights do have the power through thing. But for different reasons they have it because their Mm -hmm. motivations are different.
1: Yeah. And then the nine, when I'm thinking through a nine and that idea of predictability, it seems like risk could be sort of anathema to some of that.
2: Yeah, well, nines like predictability. They like routine. They like things to move along you know, I always like to say that in terms of impact, eights want to leave a wake like an aircraft carrier. (laughs) And one nines want to leave a a wake like a canoe. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Just a simple little wake behind it. They're just not people that are going to want to leave a lot of wake. So I think with the nine, though, also because they're just not that greatly motivated by money. Mm -hmm. They're a little bit like twos and fours in the sense that they might not even be aware of it, and if, depending on who their partner is, they'll let them be mm-hmm. the risk and uncertainty. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I trust you. just keep doing it. I'm just, you know what I mean? It's like— Right. Uh, and sometimes an unhealthy nine just sort of puts their head in the sand and is like, oh, what risk? What uncertainty? Mm-hmm. What's going on out there? You know, it's <laughs> like—and they'll kind of rely on on a larger 3, 7, or 8 or a larger personality than theirs to, to sort of assume leadership in the risk and uncertainty. I don't think—but they don't like anything that sort of disturbs the inner calm— so if there's a lot of risk and uncertainty, they are going to get agitated. They might back away. hmm Choose a different path. Yes. Right. Or cover their eyes and ears and go, la, 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 You know, I've seen that yeah. a lot of times with nines.
1: At, at that unhealthy level?
2: At the unhealthy level.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and when they're healthier?
2: They step in, you know. Every type has a passion and a virtue. And mm-hmm. so the passion or the fixation of the nine is sloth. That's their blind spot. They're, they can get slothful. But when they're healthy, they go toward this place called right action. And right action just means in the moment, it's like, okay, right action time. Let's do it.
1: Is it almost like a one? Like what's required right now?
2: Well, the one fixation really is resentment,
1: (laughs) which (laughs) is— On the the bad side. Yeah, on the bad
2: side. Yeah. Although all ones have to wrestle with this, right? Resentment that they are— Doing more than everyone else. Yeah, and that they're— resentful that other people are slacking off in their mind
0: Mm -hmm. and that
2: they have to pick up all, they have to do their share and everybody else's. And then so what they need to move toward is serenity, which is this idea that God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, the wisdom to know the difference. I do not have the ability to change or perfect the whole world, but I can be at peace that we live in in an imperfectly perfect world or a perfectly imperfect world. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. I'm not in charge. You know? right. And when the one can let go and do that, then they're fantastic. And we go through all nine types and yeah, talk about yeah, their yeah. fixation and their yeah. their virtue that they want to move toward. But I think for that nine to move from, in this situation, in risk and in uncertainty to move from sloth to right action is really important. Yeah. That's
1: fascinating. Man, I'm so excited. This has been so good. Anything else we're not thinking through on that side from a standpoint of a risk or uncertainty just um, at a general level?
2: No, I I just think that we want to remember that all types move along a continuum from health to unhealth, mm. from awareness to lack of self awareness. And again, the thing we want to learn to do is remember that self knowledge is so important. Understand your personality style. Right. Understand how you predictably and habitually act, think, and feel from moment to moment on a daily basis. Then learn to see when you are lapsing into unhealth or into health. And then understand how does your type typically make decisions? Right. How does it act under risk and uncertainty? What's the legacy that you want to leave typically? In other words, go through all the things we've talked about on all these different podcasts, right? right, right, right. <laughs> and, and understand that these are probably going to be the way that you move through the world, you know? Right. And once you know that, you can approach things like finances and relationships and work and all these different things with dare I say the word, an enlightened position. Enlightened meaning you have illuminated your interior world. You can see it. It's apparent to you. And because of that, you are moving with emotional wisdom. Yeah. Which is what we all want. Yeah, you can be
0: intentional and deliberate Mm -hmm. as opposed to reactive.
2: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Responsive versus reactive. Right. Yeah.
0: This has been great. If they want more of you, where can they find you?
2: They can go to Ian Morgan Cron, I-A-N-M-O-R-G-A-N-C-R-O-N.com. There's resources there. There are PDFs. There are Enneagram assessments for individuals and couples. They can also listen to my podcast, Typology, which is all about the Enneagram as I interview different types and hear from them about their perspectives on life.
0: Love it.
1: Eric? Economics with Eric at Instagram and Facebook.
0: And I am at the Wealth Woman wherever you social media. (laughs) See you guys next time. Thank
1: you so much.